Thanks for tuning in. I'm Shelby. And I'm Renee. And you're listening to The Creepy Burrito, Krampus Edition. Creepy burrito. <laughs> Have a creepy holiday. Ooh. Together we'll eat a burrito pie <laughs> and <laughs> we'll do some scaring. You, you sure? may get a creepy fucking feeling when you hear <laughs> voices saying kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I, I'm okay with that one. All right. <laughs> All I want for Christmas, Christmas is creepy burritos. Ooh, burrito. <laughs> now all of my, nah, it's just all Christmas jingles. <laughs> one more time. Go ahead. What do you got? Simply having a wonderful creepy time oh simply having a wonderful creepy time a creepy burrito time a creepy burrito time oh i like that simply having a creepy burrito time oh i like that oh that's cute i like it that's super cute that's the winner and that's it that's that's it that's all i got (laughs) we did our best yeah Before we dive into our creepy Christmas festivities for the day, we want to do a very special shout-out to Kayla. Kayla, who contributed a very generous $5 to our laptop fund on buymeacoffee.com. Hell yeah, Kayla. We appreciate the fuck out of you. We sure as shit do. And we are $5 closer to getting a better laptop. Yeah, so if you ever hear that, like, buzzing in the background that we can't get rid of, that is our laptop overheating as we are recording. (laughs) That is our old-ass laptop that every time we turn on, we're afraid it's not going to turn on. So when we say we're two broke girls that decided to start podcasting, we are not lying. No. But thank you, Kayla. Thanks, Kayla. If you want to be cool like Kayla, check out buymeacoffee.com slash creepyburrito. Buy us some burritos for the low, low cost of $1 or $5 or $10 or a million dollars. JK, don't. Unless you have a million dollars to spare. Yeah. And then we'll buy the murder mansion and all move in together as the burrito family. Yeah. Creepy flavor town. Yeah. Creepy town. Creepy town. Take me down to creepy town. I want you to take me to creepy Creepy town. town. (laughs) Oh, God. That was bad. So anyways, back to the business. It's the time of year where I'm kind of a Grinch, Scrooge, Krampus, if you will. Bah humbug. Bah humbug. So I figured what better way to bask in the season than with some creepy Christmas legends and traditions from around the world. Hit me with that creepy shit. And we're just gonna jump right the fuck into it. I'm gonna start off with Krampus. My boy Krampy. 
The legend of Krampus originated in Central European folklore, but the exact origin is unknown. Believed to go back to pre-Christian Alpine traditions that Krampus derives from a pagan supernatural who was assimilated to the Christian devil. Krampus serves as one of the companions of St. Nicholas. Instead of gifts for well-behaved kids, arrives bearing punishments for those that have misbehaved throughout the year. Krampus can be described as horned, half-goat, half-demon with some humanoid features, covered in brown or black hair, cloven hooves, claws, and the name actually derives from the German word of Krampen, which means claw. He has horns of a goat, and a long pointed tongue and mouth full of fangs. So hot. My kind of man. That's a sexy demon. Full of fangs. And that long pointed tongue, me how. Awooga! <laughs> Hello, <laughs> nurse. <laughs> Hello, demon. Hello, Krampus. He can be seen carrying chains, sometimes accompanied by bells, because that's cheerful as fuck, is just Jingle some bells. shackles with some Christmas spirit. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. And in his hand, he can be seen carrying bundles of birch branches or a whip to swat naughty children. And he also has a handy dandy sack or a basket strapped to his back to carry children that will be drowned, eaten, or taken to the depths of hell. Well, I mean, that Santa Claus guy, he's all talk, no bite. <laughs> so, yeah. he's all talk. All bark, know. no bite. All bark, no bite. He is all talk, though. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You better, better watch out. You better not cry. I'll send Krampus to punch you in the <laughs> eye. <laughs> Crampy Claus is coming to town. For real though, Santa's like, oh, if you're bad. Yeah. And um, you're bad well, a lot of happens. the Saint Nicholas. Um, there's. A list of Saint Nicholas companions, which are like basically like bodyguards or do the shit that he doesn't want to do, like mm. being bad cops. And we'll go through some of those today, but Krampus is actually one of them. Interesting. Yeah, so that he is not the bad guy. He just works with bad guys. Nice. It's nice. So give the illusion that Santa Claus is a good guy. Yeah. But he's really a bad guy. He's just with a whole bunch of bad apples. He's like an anti-hero. Yeah. In parts of Europe, they celebrate what is called Feast of St. Nicholas on December 6th. But before you get to the cheerful, joyous Christmas, you must first survive Krampusnacht or Krampus Night on December 5th, where people spread the Krampus cheer and fright into the hearts of many by making their own demon-esque costumes to scare kids at home, or running through the streets with pitchforks, demanding booze, and threatening strangers. So it's like Krampus Con? Basically. <laughs> Everyone is just dressed up in their Krampus gear, whips chains. It's like an SM party that is in the streets and everyone's just drinking Listen, I'm and down. whipping each other. I'm down for that. Over the years, Krampus became more popular, starting with the 1890s in Germany and Austria, sending greetings from Krampus cards that showed Krampus stuffing kids into his satchel or hitting them with bundles of sticks. That's so funny. Nothing says Merry Christmas like a card from Krampus. <laughs> I love it. Krampus has only become more popular in the 2000s, making appearances in TV shows, different video games, and there was even some Krampus Christmas horror movies that were made. Most notably, the comedy horror movie that came out in 2015. Whether it's good or not, that is 
up to you. A lot of people in the horror community really hated it, uh, but it is on Amazon Prime if you have it. And it's only like five bucks. If you feel like it's worth it, go for it. And if you couldn't tell by our episode on the Fae, I really love poems. Oh god. <laughs> so I found a Krampus poem by Jameson Bell. It came upon a Christmas Eve not so long ago. A beast deformed in stature walked out from the snow. Its eyes were sharp and wild, jagged teeth like shards. It went from house to house, leaving hoof prints and yards. Glancing into windows warm with light and life, it was here to reconcile an old and bitter strife. It had a bag that screamed and cried as it dragged it on the ground. An awful thing, just an awful thing, to have to hear that sound. It threw its nose into the air and began to sniff and snort. This demon was on to something, but what I can't report. In the bitter cold, you could smell its breath of rot and discontent. The chains that draped its frame made its spine look broken bent. The wind it howled in vain to warn the people of the beast. Its cries went unregarded as people sat there before the feast. The demon ceased its searching when it came upon my house. I did my best to hide and stay quiet as a mouse. I walked back into the shadows in the corner of my room. Voiceless, breathless, terrified, what was this thing of gloom? I heard it leap onto the deck and drop its sack upon the floor. A resounding thud caked in mud. It wasn't crying anymore. I left my room and crept down the stairs to see if I got it in, hoping it wasn't that demon who said that they would eat my skin. It stood before the fireplace. The front door was opened wide. I don't know how this thing got in, but I had nowhere left to hide. It turned its face from the fire with a scowl. You'd have to see. The demon had a quarrel all right, and the quarrel was with me. I pulled it out from the pocket of its robe, all blocked and charred. A burning piece of paper, then it handed me its card. The card reads only Krampus, before I felt its claws upon my throat. Now I'm in a bag with other kids set for some other place remote. We were bad and didn't listen to our parents and their orders. We broke a lot of rules and disrespected borders. Now old Krampus has us and he'll probably sell us off as food. This is what you get if you're whiny, mean, or rude. Now have a Merry Christmas and do as you've been told, lest you wind up in a demon's bag being dragged upon the road. What a cheerful and uplifting poem. Mm-hmm. Be nice, or else he's gonna get you. Hmm. He's gonna find you, grab you by your throat, and throw you in a bag, and then drag you to hell. Down the road. Right down the road. To hell town, baby. To hell town. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, moving on to our next creepy character, Belschnickel. Belschnickel. Originated in Germany and became part of Pennsylvania Dutch traditions in the early 1800s through immigration. And every time I think of Belschnickel, <laughs> I just picture Dwight Trout from The Office. Cheer or fear? Belschnickel is here. I judge your year as epish. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all that I can hear. A plus. Thank you. But identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Shelby. <laughs> Jim Shelby. Joe. And you know what else was A+. Plus? Dwight's execution as Belschnickel, it's pretty fucking spot on. Yeah. So Belschnickel 
typically looks ragged or disheveled, wearing torn, dirty clothes, wearing furs, or sometimes a mask with a tongue, carrying a switch, like a rod, used for beating naughty children. Belschnickel would also have small gifts like cakes, candies, or nuts for the good children. Belschnickel is believed to be based off an older German myth of, and I'm sorry if I butcher this, Necht Ruprecht, uh, who was a servant of St. Nicholas, but instead of being a servant, Belschnickel worked alone. And I do also have a Belschnickel poem. Oh boy. Twas the night before Christmas, and it would be no tickle, that snapped the switch to come from Belschnickel. He'd be ready to swipe bad children a squirmin, to escape the quick hand of this mean Pennsylvania German. And so, there you shall know, der Belschnickel's great tale, of scarring the youngsters and making them wail, how he'd wave his great switch and shake up some fright, before unleashing his treats each Christmas Eve night. Also very cheerful and uplifting. Yeah. Be good, or I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> But I Basically. just really love how, like, these old tales, they're like, yeah, if you don't shape up, we're gonna beat you. <laughs> like, things that would not stand in today's no. parenting times. No. I have some little goblins for you. Goblins. Christmas and, goblins. And Christmas goblins. Oh, those gremlins. Ooh, little gremlies. It's a Christmas movie. It is a fucking Christmas movie. If you don't think it is and you watch it during Halloween, I will fucking fight you. <laughs> Shelby will fight you. I will. But back to goblins. So in Greece, they have what is called the Calicansari. There are evil underground goblins that come out during the 12 days of Christmas from December 25th to January 6th. Now, what do these goblins do? They spend their time underground sawing at the world tree which is supposed to be what connects the heavens to the terrestrial world through its roots and the underworld, kind of like the tree of life type of perspective, so that everything will collapse, including the world around us. According to folklore, they do this all year round until Christmas. When they're almost done, they come up to the surface and wreak havoc on Earth and forget about the tree. While they spend their time on Earth, the tree roots heal and it starts the whole process all over again for another year. <laughs> So they're pretty stupid. <laughs> and what do these little devils look like? There are some variations when it comes to their appearance. Some with different combinations of animal parts, such as horse legs, boar tusks, burning red eyes, goat ears, and monkey arms. The most common description is being small, hairy, black humanoid creatures with long tails. Most of them are blind. They smell terrible, speak with a lisp, they love to eat frogs, worms, and small creatures. You may ask yourself, how can you protect yourself from these little deviant bastards? These creatures of the night are easily bamboozled. One way to stop them from coming into your home is to leave a colander on your doorstep. Like, uh... That's it? Yeah, like a colander like that you use for cooking with the holes in it. Yeah, but you that's, know that's it? Yeah. That's all you have to do. Yeah, so let me explain this. Okay. So, you leave it on your doorstep to trick them because they can't count above the number two since three is believed to be a holy number. So if the calicansary say the number three out loud, it would kill itself and it can't count 
past that number in its head. So instead it would just sit there counting all night at the holes like one, two, and then restart one, two. It would be fixated on the fact that there's all these holes and it would need to count them, but it can't count past the number two. This would just keep going on and on until the sun comes up and then they would have to go back underground when the sun comes out. All right. Yep. And another way to, to ward them off if you don't have a simple kitchen appliance would be to keep a burning fire for the 12 days so they couldn't enter into your home. Some would even burn foul smelling shoes in the fire to try to lead them away from the house. But in case you don't want your house to smell like ass and old feet, <laughs> you can just burn incense or slap a black cross on your front door. Huh. Call it a day. Similar to fairies, they actually have a thing for human babies. According to legend, any child born during the 12 days on Earth was in danger of transforming into the calicanceros. The only way to protect your newborn baby was to bind them to tresses of garlic or straw or to singe your child's toenails. <laughs> to what? Singe your child's toenails. Like while they're still on their toes or i don't know clip just, them and then toss them in a fire i'm not sure all i read was to singe your child's toenails okay and the weird thing about this too from what i had read you can't tell if your child is going to have this effect of turning into a goblin until like it's adulthood during the christmas time so like do you just do this every year until they're adults? How do you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Now, there are a few different mountain-dwelling monsters that come out for the season in Icelandic Christmas folklore. Like the monsters, they all live in one cave as a family, consisting of two giants, Grilla and her husband, Lepaludi, the Yule Cat, and the Yule Lads. When Christmas time arrives, Grilla gets a grumbly in her tumbly, hungry for terrible children to eat. Originally, she started off in folktales as a beggar, living in a small cottage, asking parents to give up their disobedient kids, but was later chased out of town into the mountains, and somewhere along the line, she gained the ability to detect what kids were bad all year round. So she leaves her mountain, goes into town, collect some kids to bring back to make her favorite dish, a stew. A bad kid stew. A bad kid stew. <laughs> there are a few descriptions of her, but none of them are flattering. She's a giant or an ogre with horns on top of her head, whether that be one head or 300 heads, covered in warts, three eyes also described with eyes on the back of her head, blackened teeth, and many tails, up to 15 in some stories, each tale carrying a balloon full of children. Even though she wasn't too much of a looker, she still managed to have three different husbands and 72 kids. Mm, what? She must have a great personality. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Her third husband, Lepaludi, is a lazy giant who doesn't like to leave the cave. They have their house pet, the Yule Cat. The cat, it's described as a huge, ferocious beast with razor-like whiskers, blazing eyes, sharp claws, 
The tales about the Yule Cat didn't come around until the 19th century. Farmers would use the threat of being eaten by the Yule Cat as incentive for workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. Successful workers were rewarded with new clothes, but those who did not get nothing. So if you were wearing old rags or had a shitty work ethic, then you got eaten by a huge fucking cat. Sounds like 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Grilla's little demon spawns are known as the Yule Lads. They are 13 mischievous pranksters who steal and harass people of the town. They arrive one by one, 13 nights leading up to Christmas, leaving small gifts and shoes that children leave on their windowsills. But if you're bad, you get a potato in your shoe instead. A potato in your shoe. Which, like, I wouldn't even mind. I fucking love potatoes. Yeah. Give me all of them. Can I have another? I'm super bad. You... Can I have a sack of potatoes? Can you put another potato in my shoe? But the names of these Yule Lads, they're pretty descriptive based off of what type of deeds they like to do. So I'm gonna walk you through those. Oh boy. So the first to arrive on December 12th is Sheep Coat Claude. So he harasses sheep, but is impaired by his stiff peg legs. He's got peg legs? He has peg legs. I don't make this oh. up. I just looked it up, guys. Okay. The next night is Gollygawk. He hides in gollies, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Okay. And then Does he have peg legs? No, but this next one is a funny name, and I don't understand why he doesn't have the peg legs. So his name is Stubby. <laughs> and he's, Why doesn't Stubby have the peg legs? I don't know. He's just abnormally short okay. and steals pans to eat crusts that are left on them. He steals pants? Pans. Oh. Are you saying Pam or Pan? Pans. Pans. Like, okay. a, like a food pan? Like dirty pans. Yeah. He steals to eat the crumbs. Yep. Okay. I mean, so far these are not too terrible. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're all pretty similar in a weird way. So after Stubby, you got Spoon Licker. So he steals Ooh. and licks wooden spoons. And he's extremely thin due to malnutrition. So Because he just licks spoons. Well, yeah, just leave more dirt on your spoon for this poor lad. You got Pot Scraper, who steals leftovers from pots. You got Bowl Licker. He hides under beds waiting for someone to put down their dishes, which he steals and looks clean. You have Door Slammer. Does he slam doors? He sure does. Okay. You got Skyer Gobbler. So he has a great affinity for Skyer, which is apparently similar to yogurt. You have Sausage Swiper. <laughs> hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked. Window Peeper. <laughs> who, you guessed it, peeps through fucking windows. Wow. <laughs> this one, I have never heard of. Doorway Sniffer. <laughs> so he has an abnormally large nose and a an acute sense of smell, which he uses to locate leaf bread. There's Meat Hook, who uses a hook to steal meat, and Candle Stealer, who follows children in order to steal their candles. Oh. Yep. Okay. They, that, uh, that's all the lads. Not very creative with some of those names. Nope. Sure. Sure not. They're... But at least you know what you're getting into when yeah. you run into them. Yeah. Like, hey, what's up, spoon licker? What's up, bowl licker? Yeah. Who are you calling a cootie queen, you lit licker? 
Who are you calling a sausage swiper? You bowl licker. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Who are you calling stubby? You doorway sniffer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one too. I like it. But yeah, cute little uh, creepy cave family. Next, we have one of St. Nicholas's companions, Pierre Futard, which is French for father whipper or old man whipper. (laughs) Okay, what does he do? (laughs) Needless to say, with a name like that, just because he's one of good old St. Nick's buddies doesn't mean that he's the best kind of guy. Pierre's story goes back to 1150 as an innkeeper or some versions he's a butcher. He's a pretty crooked guy. He kidnaps these three boys that are walking by that appear to be wealthy on their way to boarding school. Him and his wife come up with the bright idea to rob and kill the three children. In some gruesome tellings of the tale, they drug, slit their throats, and cut them into pieces, and then put them into a stew. These old timers really love their crock pot recipes. They really love If you can't tell. (laughs) It's mm mm-mm good. It's oh no good. (laughs) Now, St. Nicholas finds out what Pierre and his wife have done and resurrects the children. How? I don't know. Apparently Santa can just like bring the children back to life. And then Pierre repents. He's like, sorry, bro, for robbing and killing three innocent children. So good old St. Nick is like, it's cool. Let me take you under my wing and just help me like punish kids. Oh. Hence the name father whipper so like he would beat children okay it's like oh i see you're experienced here (laughs) at abusing children help (laughs) could you beat children for me okay thanks the job also comes with a 401k (laughs) health benefits health benefits and you full dental you're not required to work on weekends (laughs) but i might need you to stay late on tuesdays just tuesdays just tuesdays Pierre Futard is described as a man with a sinister face, dressed in dark robes with messy hair and a long beard, carrying the usual Christmas horror garb, including a whip, sticks, switches, or a backpack to throw the kids in. Pierre Futard is often compared to being identical to the controversial Dutch character Zwarte Piet, aka Black Peter, which is a character in blackface which rightfully has been protested as a racist representation of the character Mm -hmm. and widely denounced. Yeah. Moving on to a couple Christmas witches. Ooh. Ooh. Like this. It's a magical time of the year. In Germany and Austria, sometimes feature a witch named Frau Perchta. She hands out both rewards and punishments during the 12 days of Christmas, from December 25th through the Epiphany on January 6th. In some descriptions, Perchta has two forms. She may appear either as beautiful and white as snow like her name, or as elderly and haggard. Another characteristic how to identify her is one large foot. Some just, just one? One big foot. Okay. And sometimes called a goose foot or a swan foot. Wow. And this was thought to symbolize that she could shapeshift into an animal form. With her big foot? With her big foot, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one part was always stuck being a wonky foot when you shapeshift and you go back. I don't understand the meaning behind mm. that, but okay. 
She is best known for her gruesome punishment. She will rip out your internal organs and replace them with garbage. Nice. That's how I feel all the time. I I just am garbage. Yeah, that's how I feel after a weekend partying. Oh, yeah. In your 30s. Ooh, yeah. Your internal organs are just garbage. Mush. It's just lava yes. flowing out of you. The character Frau Perchta was influenced by a legendary alpine goddess of nature who tends to the forest most of the year and then deals with humans only during Christmas. Our next witch... In Norway and Sweden, on December 13th, is St. Lucia's Day. St. Lucia is represented as a beautiful young woman, and nowadays, on the occasion, is marked by a young woman in a white sash representing the saint roaming in the street. However, a few centuries ago, Norway celebrated Lucia, or Lucy, in a very different form. For the night before December 13th, Lucy's night was the night when evil spirits and demons rose up to wander the earth. Children needed to be good, and the adults warded off evil by protecting their homes with the sign of the cross. Lucy was portrayed as a hideous demon with tyrannical powers. She rode through the skies on a broomstick accompanied by demons, evil spirits, and trolls, spreading mayhem and chaos, destroying property, crops, livestock, and kidnapping or killing anyone foolish enough not to be tucked up safely in a bed. Same. <laughs> you can just ride around on your broomstick. Yep. Burning bitches down. Hell yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, bitch. Say goodbye to your livestock. <laughs> and all your livelihood. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. <laughs> now, what I learned from Wizard of Oz is you always have to ask, are you a good witch or a bad witch? La Bafana might not look like a pink bubble glittery good witch, but she was good-hearted. She's an Italian witch that is associated with the Epiphany, a post-Christmas observance that celebrates the arrival of the three wise men in Bethlehem. Legend has it that Bafana was asked by the wise men to join them, but she had declined because she just had too much work to do. Realizing her mistake, she tried to catch up to them, but she was unable to do so. Exhausted on the eve of their arrival in Bethlehem, she threw herself under a tree, and a branch from that tree became the magical broomstick that allowed her to fly looking for the baby Jesus. Today, the Bafana appears during and just before the Epiphany events, giving treats and small gifts to good children or leaving the gifts at their houses, much like Santa Claus. Hmm. So 10 out of 10, I would say a good witch. Yeah, she's uh, she's alright. But a witch nonetheless. She's like, let me hop on my broomstick here. So I have a couple creepy, cool Christmas traditions. Creepy cool. This first one is like super hella cool okay. to me. I am obsessed with it and right. it's the Christmas spider tree. It's a Ukrainian tradition where the tree has small ornaments in the shapes of spiders or like webbing around it. If you haven't seen them, a modern day one, it's cute as fuck. I legit want, nay, need Weed. one. It's like gold spiders and like webbing. It's like super cute. But anyways, the story behind the Christmas spider trees. A hardworking widow lived in a small hut with her children. One summer day, a pine cone fell on the floor of the hut and took root. They took care of the tree as it grew. The children were excited to have a Christmas tree when winter arrived. The tree grew to be big and beautiful, but they had no money to decorate it. 
The children had gone to bed with the lost hope of waking up to a glimmering Christmas tree. Upon the next morning, they saw the tree covered in cobwebs. But when the first rays of sunlight glistening on the webs, turning them into gold and silver, the family was overjoyed, and from then on, they never lived in poverty ever again. What's funny about this story, it isn't usually told from the family's perspective, but actually from the spider who wished to see a Christmas tree. So the spider like did this and like putting webs all over the tree. Sounds like Charlotte's web. Yeah, it's kinda. like a good little spidey. Aww. It's kind of cute. I like that. The story and the symbolism of it varies. Um, so like the sunlight was it a miracle from Father Christmas, Santa Claus, baby Jesus. The spider. The spider spirit. <laughs> a Christmas tree spider. <laughs> it is the Christmas spider we were talking about. It is the Christmas spider. It's come back to save the day. Yeah. And in tradition, finding a spider or a spider web on a Christmas tree is considered good luck in Germany, Poland, and the Ukraine. And this story is said to be what inspired using tinsel, which is more widely used. That would make sense because I have no idea why we would use tinsel. Oh, my grandma used the fuck out of tinsel, but I just thought it was because she was Italian. (laughs) I don't know. My mom just like glittery things. Another interesting tradition I saw was based out of Guatemala called Burning the Devil, which is metal as fuck, where the people do a full house clean, burning piles of rubbish in front of their homes on December 7th to make way for the Virgin Mary, because it's the day before the Virgin Conception. The fire is to scare away any evil spirits and purify the air. In the early 1990s in Antigua, they started taking it to the next level by building a human-sized model of the devil to burn atop the mounds of community piles of garbage. Yeah, that is fucking cool. So they would literally burn the devil and any bad omens. I like that. In South Africa, there's a cautionary true crime tale all over a little snack. The story is about a boy named Danny who was beaten to death by his enraged grandmother (laughs) for eating the cookies left out for Santa Claus. And now he haunts the homes of naughty children who sneak from their beds to chew on their unknown fate. That is it. Oh, okay. Yep, his grandma killed him for having a snack and now he just haunts kids' houses to make sure that they don't wake up and suffer the same fate. Could you imagine? I would have been so skinny as a kid. If there was (laughs) this cookie patrol ghost. I wouldn't have been a chubby, awkward kid. I would have been... Aw, but then you would have been skinny and wouldn't have liked me. We were two chubby kids together. We we chubbed it up together. We sure did. (laughs) And lastly, I'm gonna hit you with a U.S. tradition. Alright. Now the U.S. has a couple Christmas traditions, like putting yourself into bankruptcy, (laughs) drunk Santas overflowing the streets, but there is a more modern tradition that is taken over. Elf on the Shelf. Oh my fucking god. It originated in 2005 children's picture book. In case you don't know what it is, this elf is a spy for Santa in the final days leading up to Christmas. Each night, the elf reports back to Santa and returns back to the house the next day, sometimes pulling pranks or moving around the house. But children are forbidden from moving or touching the elf because, if not, he loses all of his powers and can't report back to Santa. So if you're a bad kid, you could move the elf and Santa wouldn't know that you're bad. Or 
Santa would be suspicious that their elf never returned back home. So, like, cute, but kind of fucked. Like, can you imagine the elf like, Oh no, Billy Joel Raybob, don't touch me! I can never return to my home! <laughs> As the magic is just, like, slowly being sucked out of this little elf's body. Yeah, that's terrifying. Kind of fucked. I don't like the elf on the shelf tradition. Some people like it. Uh, a lot of people go, like, super ham with it, and... Some people start, like, two months early. It's like, no. Yeah. Do I, not. I don't like it. I just, I don't know. I got a thing with dolls. So, did you drain the magical powers from your elf on the shelf? Are you being haunted by a Christmas ghost for munching on some cookies? You can tell us about it at thecreepyburrito at gmail.com. Hell yeah. Or you can hit us up on Insta, Facebook, Twitter, and do not forget to write us a sweet-ass review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox, or rate us on your streaming apps and we'll shout you out we will shout you out and also you can now go to buymeacoffee.com slash creepy burrito to support the podcast and if you're feeling in the creepy christmas spirit leave us a nice donation that'll go to our new laptop or other podcasting equipment and help us creepily grow fuel your podcast Send us burritos. Oh my god. <laughs> it all stems back to this fucking accent. I can never leave it. I love it. It's part of me. It is part of the creepy burrito. <laughs> it is the burrito. I and swear I don't record with a robot. <laughs> I am fucking crazy. But I am free. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Bye. goodbye now. Bye. Merry Christmas. <laughs>
I never saw this game. <laughs> it's, it's so, so good. It's so funny.